Hello and welcome to the Smarter Conversations podcast, where we'll be weaving together voices from the cotton supply chain. This podcast is brought to you by the US Cotton Trust Protocol. I'm your host, Kathy Smith. I'm an independent freelance journalist. This podcast series does exactly what the name implies. I'm going to be talking to some of the key movers and shakers in the global textile supply chain to dig into the world of cotton. Today's episode is the first in our series, and we're focusing on cotton sustainability protocols. The whole cotton value chain has committed to becoming more environmentally friendly, and there are many reasons for this, including but not limited to commitments to meet the UN Sustainable Development Goals, and of course, a determination to ensure supply chain resilience in the current environment. So let me introduce our guest to you. First of all, Gary Adams, who is the president of the new US Cotton Trust Protocol. So just launched. We'll be talking about that, of course, in the next half hour or so. Uh, Gary, also CEO and president of the US National Cotton Council based in Memphis, Tennessee. So Gary, welcome to you. Tell us what's happening in, in the cotton world in Memphis. The, obviously, the fields must be planted by now. What was it all looking like? Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. And uh, and yes, we're in the midst of the uh, growing season as uh, the cotton's been planted. Uh, we have about 12 million acres across uh, the United States. Uh, that's farmed by about 16,000 family farms. And and overall, the, the crop is coming along uh, uh, quite nicely. Uh, so uh, in fact, harvest is even starting in some of the very southern parts of the cotton belt. Great. Well, we'll hear more that, about that in, in a moment. So our second guest is Tara Luckman. She is co-founder and director of Flourish CSR and formerly head of sustainable sourcing at ASOS, which, uh, of course, m- most people know, British online fashion retailer, but operating all over the world. Um, Tara, so welcome to you. Tell me, first of all, what is Flourish CSR? Thank you, Cathy. Flourish CSR is a small consultancy. We're supporting businesses across the corporate responsibility spectrum, and we have got some particular experience and depth in fashion and textiles. And where are you actually talking to us from? I'm talking to you from uh, the northeast coast of England in Norfolk today. I like this. I love this geographical spread. That's great. Well, we'll speak some more in a moment. Let me uh, introduce now our third guest. Melissa Ho is Senior Vice President for Freshwater and Food at WWF US. So, of course, Melissa, you'll be giving us the NGO perspective to the protocol discussion. So where are you joining us from? Good afternoon. Thanks, Kathy. Uh, Melissa Ho, I'm joining from Washington, D.C., so tell us then, VP, Senior VP Freshwater and Food, in a nutshell, what does that actually involve and, and how does it kind of tie into what we're going to be talking about today? Sure. Um, well, the World Wildlife Fund is the world's largest conservation NGO with the mission to really look at how we can uh, envision a world and empower a world where people live in balance with nature. So the focus of the team that I lead, Freshwater and Food, is really about how we Uh, reduce our footprint uh, of what we consume. Uh, That includes a lot of agricultural products, including text and also textiles, Uh, and then really looking at how we can have thriving ecosystems that support uh, all of the things that humans need to thrive. So reducing footprints, something we'll be talking a lot about. Thank you very much indeed. Well, there are a few cotton protocols 
out there already. So maybe Tara, we could start with you. And you can give us a sense from the brand and retailer's point of view of just how important these sort of sustainability protocols are, in fact. Certainly. Uh, brands, in order to meet their public commitments, all the promises they make to their consumers, they've really got to ensure that they're sourcing responsibly. And that means right the way back to the raw materials grown in the field. Raw materials like cotton do make up quite a sizable portion of the finished product's environmental footprint. So hence, it does become important for the brand to be able to evidence their footprint reduction activities uh, through the uptake of ever more sustainably produced materials. Sustainability programmes like the examples we see in cotton farming are absolutely key to connecting brands with their raw materials sources, really supporting them in evidencing good practice. And for brands and their business stakeholders, it's not enough just to declare that they sourced materials responsibly. They need to demonstrate sound evidence with some external validation that the data they're using really is reliable. So would a retailer have a list of acceptable protocols? Increasingly so, yes, across their gamut of materials, but also stretching the length and breadth of the textile supply chain where they're manufacturing. So, Gary, um, you've just launched the new US Cotton Trust Protocol. Tell us a little bit more about it is, just sort of the, the broad brushstrokes, if you would, because um, we can get in some more details a bit later on. But just um, what it's all about and, and why you've decided to do it. Absolutely. Well, in, in, in just uh, kind of broad description, it's a uh, sustainability program uh, for the U.S. cotton industry. It's, it's our effort to enroll producers uh, into the program, uh, have them fill out a questionnaire on their farming practices, have them use a data tool that will collect data on a representative sample of their field. So we have that uh, quantitative information. And, and, and that's going to, I believe, help us to one, drive continuous improvement, but it's also uh, going to help us better demonstrate to our textile customers, those brands and retailers that Tara talked about, that the U.S. is producing sustainable cotton or responsibly produced cotton, because we know uh, that the brands and retailers are under more scrutiny. We know that they're taking a harder look at the products they're sourcing, and we also do not, as U.S. cotton, want to be excluded from any of those marketing channels. But why now in particular? Why do it now? Because, I mean, as we say, there are other protocols out there. So are you quite late in the game in a way? No, I think actually the, the timing is quite good. And, and we have been working on the development of this program for the last two years or so. And I, and I think as we looked at the landscape, there was already, you know, a, a lot of recognition about the responsible practices that U.S. producers do. But we also knew that we needed to strive to continue to reduce our environmental footprint. Uh, so as we set industry-wide goals for continuous improvement, we really saw the protocol as an intentional effort to help drive us toward those goals. I think in this current environment that we're in with the uh, the COVID pandemic, uh, for many of the brands and retailers, it's only sharpened the focus on sustainability. So I do think even though it's a, a challenging set of circumstances we face, uh, the timing, I think, can actually be quite good so that we're positioned well for when we do get past the COVID pandemic. You say that you're enrolling your producers at the moment. I mean, uh, how is it how is it going? I mean, is it a popular thing? Because it, what it sounds to me is that you have got lots of responsible uh, practices, but you haven't really possibly been telling your own story. And now this is your chance to do it. Uh, I, we do think it is a chance to, to 
convey a stronger message. And as we look at what the work we've been doing up to this point, we went through 2019 really in a pilot phase with our producers. Uh, we enrolled approximately 300 of, of the producers. Uh, now, as we move into 2020, uh, we're hoping to expand that enrollment to as many as 500 producers. Uh, so, And I think one of the things that we've, we've tried to do in the development of the program also is create an IT platform that producers hopefully find uh, to be user-friendly, to not create a lot of additional burden, because they do obviously have a lot on their plate as they're managing their farming operation. So we feel like it's important uh, to put together a platform that uh, hopefully is easy for them to use and that we can also use as a tool for education back to the producers. I think that's a key part of the future of this program as well. Yeah. Well, let me bring um, Melissa in now from WWF. Do, so does this all make sense to you that um, that the, the U.S. actually launching this this trust protocol now? Is this the way forward for uh, U.S. cotton growers? I think from our perspective, um, WWF really applauds the cotton industry in the U.S. for really having a strong desire, ambition and set of actions to strengthen their environmental sustainability platform. Um, I think the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol is a is a great move in the right direction. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, energy, resources, uh, thoughtfulness that have gone into the development of of the protocol, and then a real push to try to socialize and get um, the the capacity of the farmers and the producers to really understand why it's important for them to to adopt it. Um, so, so we're really thrilled to, to support and, and be a partner in the process. Um, I think at the same time, you know, we, we very much support the idea of continuous improvement, very much appreciate data and transparency and accountability that the platform sets out to achieve. Um, and those are necessary prerequisites. Um, but I, I think, you know, in the work we do around the world in a range of commodities, um, that's those are necessary components, but we really need to move to what are minimum performance thresholds and standards. You know, how do you define uh, sustainability? You know, there are more than 80 brands now. I think, as Tara had alluded to, there is a, a real movement in the retail side to demand and have accountability on sustainably sourced raw materials such as cotton. But um, you know, those same companies are coming to us asking us um, what's good enough. How do you define? Uh, the, those definitions um, and and but our, is, it, our, is it is it not sorry to interrupt but is it no. not confusing <laughs> having several different protocols so I mean right. you know for, certainly for, for for retailers to kind of really understand right yeah there's over a dozen uh, more than a dozen different protocols globally some regionally based some some globally based and so I think that that point you're making and we're we're um, alluding to is, is a really important one that um, it's confusing and there's a maze of them. And so it's important that there's some minimum level um, of what sustainability means and that there's then transparency across these protocols that you can make a decision as a company about what is good enough for your brand. What do you mean by those definitions of sustainability? And then how does this protocol um, satisfy that from, from your perspective? Um, the success of this protocol, and I know Gary knows this more than anyone, is, is the ability of these farmers to see the value of this work and this endeavor from their perspective. We have the brands 
asking for it and saying it's important, but it also, you know, the adoption piece starts at the farm and with the producers and their buy-in and their, um, you know, real understanding of the value for them, not from just a sustainability, but from a business bottom line has to be in the mix in trying to think of um, the success of this. So that that component is really important and now more than ever under, under COVID. Gary, I mean, Melissa said it starts at the farm. Um, so just, just, I mean, you were saying that you think it is a good time to launch your protocol, that people are thinking about uh, sustainability. Um, and it, 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 that really is the case, is it? Well, it is. And I think as we talk to our producers, uh, you know, they understand kind of the additional scrutiny that uh, that's on supply chains now and that there is a, a need for more transparency, more data. Uh, and, and so, again, I think they take that seriously because, one, they want to, you know, they all want to be good stewards of their own farming operation and drive their own uh, continuous improvement. I also believe that many of them have found, you know, a correlation to be environmentally sustainable goes hand in hand with being economically sustainable because you are being as efficient as possible with those resources. So we've actually seen some some studies that would link those two together. I think that's part of also the message to uh, back to producers. And I believe also they take a very serious approach to making sure that their family farming operations you know, are not just meeting their needs for today, but it's something that can be passed down uh, to the next generation and continue to be a viable operation. So let me get back now to talking specifically about the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. And one of the main impacts of cotton on a global scale is its water use. Hugely important issue. So, Gary, what what sort of goals is this new protocol setting uh, on water use? Water efficiency is one of the uh, one of the explicit metrics within uh, the data tool that's being used. Uh, I think if we look back over the last 30 to 35 years in terms of of data that's collected for the U.S. cotton industry, we've actually seen quite a uh, quite an improvement in terms of the amount of water used to produce a a pound of cotton. In fact, it's fallen by about 82% over the last 35 years through you know more efficient farming practices, obviously some improvements in technology, increases in yield. Uh, and right now we have about two thirds of the uh, acres cotton acres in the United States that are complete completely reliant on rainwater. They don't use irrigation, but but still in some areas, irrigation is very important. Uh, and as we look to the future, we want to continue to try to become uh, more efficient with water use. One of those 10-year goals we talked about at the national level uh, is to uh, drive that improvement in water efficiency. And we see there's some areas to be hopefully by 2025, another 18% more efficient and even build further on uh, the gains that we've seen historically. Uh, so, M- Melissa, um, you're working on fresh water, importance of efficient water use, obviously, very important. And it does sound as though uh, the U.S. cotton growers have already done a- an awful lot. But do you think this sort of protocol can 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 actually make a difference? Right. Um, yeah. And water is, is complicated. Right. So, again, I appreciate the protocol includes water um, efficiency and the focus on water stewardship and why water resources are important um, at all. And and I think like other commodities too, so cotton isn't unique, but I think we really as a conservation NGO look beyond water use efficiency. Um, I think that there's several studies from FAO globally um, with a range of commodities and a range of geographies, Australia, the US, Middle Eastern, North African countries showing that Uh, water use efficiency can actually drive more 
extensification and use of ag water. And so you have to marry water use efficient technologies and approaches with really understanding how water impacts land in a landscape and the context base for it. Uh, but then the second point I just wanted to make, so in addition to the context based nature of water um, and moving beyond just efficiency is also water quality, right? And I think that's really what cotton in addition to water use is, is really um, you know, looking to uh, improve. And at least that's been a focus of ours in different cotton growing regions around the world. And so we'd love to see the Cotton Trust Protocol address chemical use and have targets around that too. Um, and really understanding, you know, the fate and transport of a lot of, of chemicals from, uh, you know, pesticides, herbicides and fertilizers, you know, it's four times more than the average corn production in the Midwest. And so addressing quality is, is going to be an important let, piece of this too. So let me bring Gary back in on that. Is this something that the protocol will be addressing, Gary? We are always looking at ways that we can, particularly in the use of chemicals, how we can tell that story and look at, uh, you know, how farming practices are done, how farmers can do, uh, you know, be even more efficient, more judicious in their use of chemicals. So I think, uh, yes, that's that's a part of what the protocol has as well as we look at uh, the way they manage uh, their chemical use because it does affect water quality. So, uh, and, I, and I think too, this is just kind of underscores the importance with uh, Melissa's feedback in the input there that, you know, we look at the protocol as being a, a collaborative effort where we want to hear the voices of, of all the stakeholders this in place so that we can, you know, work together and kind of driving this forward. Okay, well, Tara, perhaps I can bring you in. Is this something that that features large in the minds of brands and retailers specifically? Yes, I would say typically water is a big focus for brands. Partly that's because it's recognized as a significant area of consumption and water um, pollution throughout the textile supply chain and partly because it's a very tangible metric that consumers also uh, have an, a good understanding of. So happily, water is one of the most accessible areas that brands can readily take action on. Uh, even if they don't have sort of full visibility of their supply chains, significant water savings can be made in switching towards more sustainable raw materials, particularly within cotton. And something I found whilst I've been working in fashion brands was that the metrics around water savings become quite a strong motivating factor for a number of stakeholders. So where you're perhaps manufacturing in water stressed areas, those manufacturers really have an appreciation for the importance of water efficiency. Um, and another example would be um, brand marketing teams who are looking for ways to engage positively with consumers, um, find it very tangible to talk about, for example, the water savings in a pair of jeans made up by using more sustainable materials, more sustainable processing, reducing chemicals, and so on. Are those specific messages being transferred to consumers then, specifically about water? Yes, in many instances there are, but but only where it can be robust and credible in terms of the claim that it's making. And that loops us back around to sustainability programs that can give you that evidence like the Trust Protocol. Right. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. Let, let's just go beyond water then. Um, Melissa, uh, you took us into to the world of chemicals, saying how very important that is. What other environmental issues in producing cotton need to be addressed by a, a protocol like this? Again, I landing impacts in the landscape level are, are definitely ones that um, it's a journey for many commodities, not just cotton, in terms of thinking of 
uh, how those impacts land. So I think soil health is another one that I know that it's been discussed uh, in, in the protocol development. And, um, and and so that's one that we also really support. There's a lot of discussion around regenerative ag and how you maintain your asset base, both for soil and water management and long-term sustainability of a field. So, um, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot. And, and for us, we also look at biodiversity indicators and factors, you know, the chemical inputs, it has a footprint on water, but also on GHG, and then also on pollinators and biodiversity in a, in a landscape too. So I think those are other things that we are in discussion on. Well. And, and so Gary, I mean, I guess these are part of the trust protocol goals, aren't they? Uh, soil conservation, reducing greenhouse yeah. gases. And I mean, you talk about um, these being family farms. Uh, so the, it's true, isn't it, that, that your farmers have so much, they do have a vested interest in, in, in thinking of future generations. Well, they do. And, and, and they're, the natural resources at their disposal are uh, key to their livelihoods, key, I think, to uh, being able to pass down their farming operation uh, to future generations. And as and as we look at the trust protocol uh, and and the data tool in particular, some of the metrics that we will be measuring with those data tools, uh, those are based on some work by a sustainability alliance known as Field to Market, and they have created a data tool, and it's a uh, it's an alliance that uh, the the U.S. cotton industry has been a part of since its inception. And so with that data tool, you can look at uh, soil carbon, uh, soil loss, greenhouse gas emissions, energy efficiency, and that will give us some some quantifiable metrics. And then as we look at the questionnaire, uh, we do have, and we talked about this earlier, uh, questions that relate to uh, the use of chemicals and how those are being applied and the, and the necessary precautions that are being taken. Uh, we also have questions that uh, relate to uh, biodiversity wildlife habitat. So we know that's that's going to be key as well. And we want farmers to be cognizant of on their farming operations where there's some opportunities to identify those biodiversity areas. And um, you talk about questionnaires and 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 the farmers filling in the, all the, these questionnaires. I mean, how, is there any resistance from the farmers, you know, to, to the work that it might involve or, or are they just happy to be part of it? Well, I think that <laughs> I love your smile. It takes a very says good it question. All. <laughs> That's a, uh, you know, it depends on the, uh, I think, the perspective of the farmer. Uh, I think we have found a number of the farmers that are very receptive to uh, uh, telling their story and getting that information out and doing the work that's necessary. But at the same time, I think we do have to understand that uh, uh, we will run into cotton producers who will, uh, who will always question, you know, yet another survey to fill out. And I think that gets back to, Part of the challenge we have in terms of trying to make sure it's as as, uh, as you know as less burdensome as possible, I guess is the best way to say it. And also, we need to demonstrate to them that there's tangible benefits. One, it can it can help us tell our story. It can help us hopefully get access to those marketing channels. But it can help identify areas for continuous improvement that we hope they will be able to apply to their farming operations. So we do believe we need to be able to position to give back to the farmer so that they stay engaged because this is not a one and done. Okay, you fill it out this year and you're done. You fill it out this year and then you come back and you fill it out next year as well. And then hopefully the year after and the year after so that we can see changes in behavior change and get that stream of data over time. 
Let me uh, bring Tara in on this because, um, you know, d d you've got, um, we've talked about various protocols from around the world. Do you think that, that having this specific US protocol is going to be looked at uh, in, in a certain way by, by retailers and brands um, elsewhere in the world, in Europe or, or elsewhere? I mean, is it going to change people's perception of, of US cotton? I think it will. I think there has been an awareness gap there. I think a lot of focus has been in developing markets. And I think um, brands have rightfully invested in um, supporting developing countries with their cotton programs and actually the the um, the need to diversify on sustainable raw materials is more pressing than ever. Brands need multiple sources around the world. Brands are globalizing all the time. They need to be able to source near to market um, and appropriate to their products and have a wide range of qualities available. So the more sources of sustainable material that are available at scale and can be trusted, the better news that is for brands. So let's go on to the, the and can be trusted, because obviously the most important thing one assumes is having some sort of third party endorsement. Uh, you know, you can't just have farmers saying we are doing this, this and this. Uh, there has to be another element to it. Perhaps, Gary, you could first of all tell us what you are doing uh, in terms of verifying the, the, the work that's being done on the on the farms. Uh, and then I'll bring the other two in as well. Oh, absolutely. And that and as we were going through some of the initial stages of putting the trust protocol together, that was that was a key point that was made to us as we talked to uh, both NGOs and uh, brands and retailers. As they said, there has to be third party verification as, as part of this program. Uh, we went through a search process to identify an independent company that could provide those uh, third party verifications, and we've uh, selected a company called Control Union Certifications that has uh, uh, been very active in uh, this space and in these types of programs for a number of years. And in fact, they've certified more than 150 programs worldwide. So they will be conducting uh, our uh, third party verifications. And, and so that we do feel like that's critical as we uh, put the program together because it does have to have integrity. And again, we have to have somebody coming in and providing that check or that cross check and verifying what producers are doing. And Melissa, obviously, from the NGO perspective, um, clearly greenwashing does not, um, you, you no time for greenwashing in, in your world. So this verification is hugely important. Sure. I think um, third party, again, I we really appreciate the thoughtfulness and the rigor that um, and the systems that uh, U.S. Cotton is putting in place for this. Um, but I think that there's there's also a trust building process that you can verify. But I think the idea that U.S. Cotton really wants to become a trusted um, source of cotton it goes beyond just these systems. And I think that's something that uh, again I think we really appreciate that it's something they're really working towards and, and value of being seen in the world as as a producer of cotton that that is sustainable, responsible, and and you know delivering. Um, on those values. So when you say it's going going beyond these systems, they, they have to do more, you're saying? Well, you know, so I, I think in the back of my, my mind, and it's not something that we've brought up yet, but it's conversations we're having with some of the retailers that we support. And then, you know, we've mentioned COVID in terms of the current context, but there's also a lot of other things going on around social justice. And so, in the US, you know, we've had brands ask us the narrative that we want to tell of cotton 
and the good work that the cotton growers in the U.S. are doing, you know, also has to start with a history of where cotton is grounded in the in the U.S., which you know has has a lot of things that that um, we need to to look at, including slavery. And so I think as this narrative changes on the you know environmental front, um, again, increasingly brands are looking at um, sustainability is more holistic than just environmental metrics. It's about values. It's about identity um, that defines their brand. And so social issues, labor, human rights, uh, institutionalized racism, discrimination have to feature in that narrative too. And so I think that's the piece, you know, all of us are looking at uh, how do we um, look at what it means more holistically to address some of these issues. And, and I, I think there's a great opportunity for U.S. Cotton uh, to, to build that trust and brand uh, for the future. Let, let me just bring Gary back in on that and then and then I'll ask Tara as well. I mean, Gary, that's an interesting thing, isn't it? To The need to look holistically, maybe bigger than than just the, the, the growing sustainability. Yeah, it, no, it is. And I think uh, Melissa raised a very good point, particularly in the in the the current climate that uh, that we find ourselves in, and obviously, yes, uh, cotton does have a history that, that stretches back over the centuries. Uh, but I think it's important too to focus on as we look at the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocol. You know, one of the one of the areas that we delve into in the questionnaire is the overall issues of of worker well-being and all the you know the the uh, requirements that we farm under and and ask very specific questions that deal with how do you treat your workers and the fact that there's, you know, no discrimination going on, no gender bias going on. Those are all issues that are being addressed in the questionnaire as well. And I think that is part of the, the message that we need to continue to convey. And Tara, the brands and retailers are under increasing scrutiny. I mean, we, you know, open any newspaper, listen to any news broadcast. These are often big issues. Um, so, how how do you think that this sort of data that's coming out of the U.S. with this new protocol can can help to tell the story uh, better from the retailer and brand's perspective? Well, you've said already greenwash is over, and I think actually we're in a, a time now where brands are ever more cautious about the claims they make, the statements they put out there for fear of uh, misinformation. Um, consumers expect brands to have a grip of um, what's going on in the supply chains, how products are made, who's made them, social and environmental uh, best practice going on there, um, and really take full responsibility of that. But the, the truth of the matter is the complex nature of textile supply chains doesn't allow a brand to be everywhere all of the time inspecting everything. So they really need trusted partners to help them with that. And I would say that one of the things that holds brands back from communicating more widely about their sustainability successes is that lack of robust, trustable, verified data to support them being able to make claims, whether it's at product level level or through their corporate reporting and what they're telling their investors. And uh, how do you think this data can best be conveyed by brands, certainly to consumers? I mean, are, sh are, do we have to go searching for it on websites or is it certain brands just become trusted in their own right and we know that they're doing the work for us? Or do we look at the label on a piece of clothing? I mean, what, 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 how should it be done? How should consumers find out the truth? On the whole, my experience has been that consumers just want to trust in a brand. They want to shop with businesses that they think have got their best interests at heart and the best interests of the planet and society. And 
therefore it, things that damage and chip away at that trust are therefore so damaging to brand's value. So let's just sort of wrap up slowly then. Um, Gary, you've had your pilot phase of the protocol. Um, what have you learned and how significant do you hope that this protocol is going to be in terms of US growing cotton in the US? Well, certainly we, we hope and, and we believe the protocol can, can be an integral part of US cotton production. You know, it's our, our hope that we uh, can continue to expand the participation in the program as we go forward. So that that's certainly a, a, an objective of ours. I do think as we've been going through uh, developing the program, we've obviously had a lot of uh, great feedback uh, from producers in terms of trying to uh, adjust the questionnaire, uh, adjust the platform. Uh, but I think also as we've gone through the discussions that we've had with the brands and retailers, we just find out how important that transparency and that data uh, how important those are to the brands and retailers. And I think that's as we continue to engage with the brands and retailers, that's where we really have to focus is how can we uh, collect and disseminate the data in a way that meets their needs. And, and that's, I think, a real, a real objective and focus for us as we go forward over the next uh, several months. Okay, and so maybe I could ask Tara and Melissa from your two different perspectives, um, if you have any advice for uh, for Gary and and the the, the U.S. cotton producers. Um, I mean, Tara, from uh, as a as a sustainability expert, um, what do you would you would you have any specific thoughts and advice? I think just keeping it as simple as you can, really. I think uh, being able to, I think if you can't explain something to the man in the street, then it's not useful to business. Of course, there has to be depth and detail and breadth behind everything you do in sustainability. There needs to be that rigor, but you've got to be able to surface it up to a high enough level that it means something to society more broadly. Yeah, I um, I appreciate what Tara said. I think the simplicity is, is key. Um, and I also, I think, um, keeping the eye on what the, the goals of the impact are, in addition to what the marketing and the, the perception changes you want, you know, what is it that you want to see on the ground? What kind of impacts are you trying to get uh, from having a sustainability platform? And how are you having accountability for that? Again, back into the landscape. I think that's what... Um, Consumers are more savvy in terms of what's being marketed to them, but I think uh, over time, what they really want to see is what what the impact is of, of such protocols. So, well, that's it for this very first edition of the U.S. Cotton Trust Protocols Smarter Conversations podcast. I hope you've found our discussions interesting, and you can learn more about the Trust Protocol at trustuscotton.org. Do try and join us next time. We're going to be talking about the impact COVID-19 is having on the whole issue of sustainability. So do try and join us then. Goodbye.